0: Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Hi, I'm Carrie. I'm Kelly. And, and we're, we're Identical, identical twins. twins. And we're so excited. You have found us on Hymn, Hymn Talk, Talk, Twin Talk Twin Talk on probably the most exciting, vibrant day of the year. Yeah. Well, actually. Day I after. Mean, it was yesterday. <laughs> the day after <laughs> the most exciting, vibrant day. How about this just this whole season? This whole season. This yes, whole that's true. This whole season, you guys, this is like the central part of our belief. This yes. is this is the most important thing. Right. Did you all have a great day yesterday? Yeah. It's so funny because last year for Easter, mm-hmm. I mean, COVID was like just starting. Right. And it was hard. I remember, I don't know if you remember this story Carrie, no, but I me. went to like four different florists to get a whole bunch of flowers and plants. Normally we have flowers and we didn't have any because we hadn't been in the building. I just wanted the sanctuary to look special. Of course. And of, this, the COVID was just beginning, and we were missing our church family. Yeah. And, and we it was had just, no idea no. what was ahead of did us. Did we ever think that it would be another Easter that we another were doing this? Easter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. So did you guys have a great Easter yesterday? I, I mean, I hope so. I hope that even with the COVID restrictions, you were able to worship, you were able mm-hmm. to be with your family. Mm-hmm. So it's like the beginning of spring. Mm-hmm. Everyone dresses up. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you like to do for Easter care with your kids I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. The whole dressing up usually stresses me out a little bit. It's right. like I have to shop. I have to make sure the kids have stuff that fit them. And, and they have to match. And they match a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to. they used to match a lot more right. than they do now. But the whole shopping for clothes used to bother me. In fact, this year I asked... Our mom. I asked my mom to take my daughter out shopping because really? I feel like she can get her to wear something prettier easier than I can. So thanks, <laughs> Nani, for doing the shopping. Thanks, Nani. My girls are all about the outfits. I know. are so lucky. Yeah, they would just spend so much money on clothes and no, shoes. None of my kids really care, and right. they just get annoyed with me because right. I care. I'll tell you my favorite thing about Easter, though, okay. besides, of course, that our Lord has risen. Right, right, right. What's <laughs> besides your Besides that. Second favorite. Second favorite are these appetizer...
1: Oh. hard-boiled <laughs>
0: eggs that I make. It's my grandmother's recipe, mm-hmm. my nun's recipe, and I grew up having them. Yes. They were my favorite thing to eat as a kid, right. and now I continue making them for my family and my kids. They're called honey eggs. Right. They are definitely weird. I don't Say that they're weird, Carrie. I just say that they're an acquired taste. They're an acquired taste, but like my husband doesn't like right. Them. Does my, yours? I he's not a he's not as big of a fan. Right. No. But like me and you and our dad are right. like standing there at the at, and my kids. My kids love my it. kids love them too. Because I do think it's about like growing up with them and right. having them in your family and in your tradition. So it is hard-boiled eggs. You think you might be biting into a deviled egg, right? But you, you're not because it's like a hundred times better than a deviled egg. It's like an <laughs> angel egg. <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're calling them. angel eggs. Sweet angel eggs. Sweet. They're sweet. They have honey mixed in with the egg yolk. Egg yolk. So if you think eggs and honey are a weird combination, yes. yeah, you might be right. <laughs> it is weird. But it's an acquired taste. That's what we say. We love Nana's honey Easter eggs. Yeah, and now I make them for right. my for the family. And they are gone. 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 In fact, I inhaled. People inhale them. Well, one of my favorite traditions, and I don't do it every year, it depends, but we did do it this year, is we make the empty tomb cookies. Okay. Now, you you I know Kelly has heard me talk about them before, but it's this recipe that you follow and hopefully you saw it because yeah. we posted it earlier this week. That's right. So, I love these cookies. Not only are they sweet and kind of cool the next day, they have a really cool texture. It's like a meringue. Yeah. Not yeah. everybody like is into the meringue texture, mm-hmm. but it's cool. But when you bite into the cookie, it's hollow inside. Right. So you actually use the cookie as like a teaching tool. Mm-hmm. You read scripture as you bake it, uh, as you make it, as you mix the ingredients. You read scripture when you put them in the oven. And then we actually seal up our oven. Right. <laughs> Which you may ask, how does one seal up their <laughs> oven? Well, we, we just use scotch tape. <laughs> we just have like these strips of tape that go down and keep it closed, mm-hmm. and the next morning, the tape is still there. Nobody has moved it. Nobody's disrupted it. And when we break open the tape and open the oven, these cookies are there. And when you bite into them, it's hollow They're inside. Empty. It's supposed to represent the empty tomb. And we read passages from John and Psalm yeah. and, Sam and um, Matthew. And we just make it like this lesson. Right. And I've done it with my kids since they were small. And it's totally fun to wake up Easter right. morning and open the oven. Right. And I'm sure people have their own traditions. You, you can share, us, share with us on social media what yeah. you do because I know a lot of places do the hot cross buns with oh. the cross. It's super yummy. I've never made those. Have no. you? I've no. never made them. No. And then, of course, I'm sure people have egg hunts. Yes. Our kids are sort of coming out of the egg hunt age, but like but they still, still want, want to do it. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I actually think it would be a sad day if we, when the day comes that we don't do egg hunts anymore. I know. No, and we wait, we'll Just Keep doing Just go them. outside and look for stuff. Yeah. What's your problem? Yeah. You're too old for that? <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> well, happy Easter, everyone. Yes. Resurrection Sunday was yesterday, but right. we are going to continue this Easter celebration. In church tradition, the Easter season lasts for seven weeks. Okay. And I love that. I love that each week we come back to worship and we say, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. I mean, it's a big deal. We don't want to do it just for one week. I know. Why would we ever do it just for one? It's just like Christmas where we have the weeks after Christmas. Yeah. So we will definitely continue with some Easter music. Yeah. So now we're going to announce this one. The tune is anonymous. The tune is anonymous. Yep. Yep. But the text writer is definitely not anonymous. No. He he is like totally famous. He was called the the Sweet Bard of of Methodism. Methodism. Right. I mean, they're saying he's like the Shakespeare (laughs) of... (laughs) Oh, well, um, the sweet Shakespeare. Sweet. Much sweeter. <laughs> much sweeter. All okay. right. Are you ready to hear it? Yes. Let's tell them the name of the hymn. Christ, Christ the Lord is Risen today. today. Woohoo! I mean, you have to sing that on Easter Sunday. You have to. You have to. Christ the Lord is Risen Today. today. I mean, you can't sing that in August. <laughs> it is just the perfect, quintessential yeah. Easter hymn. Christ the Lord is, is risen today. today. Alleluia. Hallelujah! All right, let's sing it. I, you guys, I'm sure you all sang it yesterday. Will you sing it with us again? Yeah. Let's sing one verse. Let's just make sure everybody's clear on what this awesome song is. Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, "Hallelujah!"
1: Raise your
0: joys and triumphs high, Hallelujah! Sing ye, heavens and earth, reply, Hallelujah! Right? Totally fun. Yeah, I love it. I mean it. who doesn't love singing Alleluia with eleven syllables? <laughs> <laughs> All right. The the interesting thing, here's a little fun fact for our listeners, you guys. <laughs> I mean the thing that makes that is so memorable about that hymn. Yeah. Is the Alleluias? I think repeated so too. Alleluias. Yes, sing them over and ag- over again. Add harmony. Right. Hold it out. Yeah. You know, for this long time. Right. But our fun fact is is mm-hmm. that in the original version by Charles Wesley, those Alleluias didn't, didn't exist. exist. <laughs> <laughs> How funny is that? Okay, so this is truly a hymn. It's it's right. verses with no refrain. But the cool thing, those Alleluias become like a refrain. Become a refrain. They come like this response that that gets repeated and people sing them. I think that's why they're memorable. Right. The funny thing is is that we don't know who added them. I mean, at some point they were added. I saw a hymnal that was like 1839. Right. So that's like a hundred years later. Right. And we don't know who did it. It was apparently a hymnal editor. Mm -hmm. And there are a few speculations of why those hallelujahs were added. I mean, one is just to even out the stanzas because there's just a lot of words, you know, to put that hallelujah and to kind of help. And then some people say that there wasn't enough like real praise right. in the hymn. Right. You know, it's like tells the story. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. The heavens and earth are singing, but there wasn't enough praise. So they added the Alleluia's mm-hmm. for praise. I mean, Alleluia is like the word of the utmost praise. I love the word Alleluia, And of course, you've seen it with the H and without the right, H hallelujah, right, right. but it's really all the same. It's an old testament word that was praising god right so i read that jerome in the year 420 mm-hmm. so this is the early church and jerome is an important leader of the church he actually worked to translate the bible into latin he okay. wrote that the very ceilings of houses of worship were often shaken with the wow. reverberating hallelujahs when believers saying their praises to god Wow! (laughs) Yeah, especially on Easter Sunday, these alleluias, of course, were being lifted up. So on Easter morning in the early church, Mm -hmm. the people would gather and they would greet each other and say, Alleluia, the Lord is risen. And of course, that comes down through history to so many churches who begin their worship service with, The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. When I plan for that in worship at our church, I don't even put it on the on in the bulletin. I don't right. put it on the screen. I just know that when I say mm-hmm. the Lord is risen, everyone will respond with "He, he is, is risen indeed. indeed." I bet some of you listening uh, actually wanted I know. to say it. I out know. Loud. <laughs> I bet you did. I hope you did. I hope you did. Yeah. So this word hallelujah, mm-hmm. is added. It wants the hymn to be just full of praise. Another little fun fact that people may or may not know is that in in more liturgical settings, the word Alleluia isn't even spoken right. during Lent. So if you have the 40 days of Lent and you don't sing, sing or say Alleluia, it's because it's a more somber time, a more mo- mournful time, a more penitential time mm-hmm. when you're really focusing on your own sin and focusing on what Jesus did for you. Then on Easter Sunday, for the first time, you're able to say the word hallelujah. I mean, this isn't scriptural. It's not like a commandment, thou shalt not say hallelujah during Lent. But it's just a really neat practice that makes you appreciate the word when you finally get to say it. Mm -hmm. And I have to believe that that was part of the tradition when they were adding the hallelujahs. Because you're singing this hymn. And now we get to sing, sing the word "alleluia." They said we want to sing it as often as possible. Yeah, so let's put so, it after every word. So after basically, every verse. if you do four verses, you're going to end up doing it, what, 16 times? Yes. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. So we don't know the tune that was like, supposed to be with Charles right. Wesley. I mean, Char- when Charles Wesley put this in his f- hymn book, I mean, without the with uh, What exactly was he singing? We I don't mean, know. We, Of course, we can see the hymn book. We can see hymnals back then, but they didn't have music. Right. We, We've said this before on Hymn Talk Twin Talk. The old hymnals just had words, right? And then the music director or an organist would decide what tune to use. Right. So we don't really know. There's plenty of tunes that would fit it, right? When plenty. You, so the, when you look at the meter of the song, those these are this is like counting the syllables, right? Right. right. So the meter is seven, 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 seven. Each phrase of the song mm-hmm. has seven syllables. So then you would just take another tune which would fit Four lines of seven syllables each. Right. And they would be like an index. seven, right. seven, seven, seven. It's a metrical index. And the organist or choir director would pick a, pick a tune. m and It's Always <laughs> fun. So that's what we did. Right. We went to the metrical index in our hymnal. We looked up other hymns that have seven, 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 seven. Right. right. Without the Alleluia without cause that's, Because that's what right. Charles Wesley would have done. Mm-hmm. And we found so many, you guys. Oh, seven, 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 seven is pretty common. Right. So we found a different tune. Christ the Lord is risen today Sons of men and angels say Raise your joys and triumphs high Sing ye heavens and earth reply Lives again our glorious King Where O death is now thy sting Dying once he all doth save where thy victory, O oh grave. What do you think? So that's the tune of Come... You Thankful People think? Okay, so I think it's hysterical that it's like a Thanksgiving hymn. I know, I know. And we're just throwing in <laughs> these Easter... Easter words. And you know what? We could actually do it with angels we have heard online and know. do a just mix Christmas? up all of our holidays. <laughs> that was really fun. But when we sing that on Thanksgiving, it's it's a beautiful tune. It's a beautiful hymn, but I don't think it has the oomph that even you and I just gave it. Singing those Easter words, I think, pumps Gives it, some life yeah. into it. Yeah. And then I didn't like miss the Alleluia's. No, well, I mean, it was fun. Full of words. Right. So if anybody was like really paying attention, yeah. which yes. I hope you all are. Are you are you are you are you still with us, people? So where we sing one verse of Christ the Lord has risen today with the Allelujahs, that hymn gave us two verses right. without the Alleluia's. Right. I mean it was a lot. It was two full verses of right. a song crammed into one hymn. Right. That's a lot. I know. I think that it has a different feel to it. It makes you listen. It makes your ears perk up. Right. I actually think that there there is a, some good in that e- kind of an exercise, but I have to say that we are just loving this Easter hymn. Right. We are loving Charles Wesley for what he did, but perhaps the thing we love about it the most—the Alleluias—yes, he didn't even do right. Right. I mean, the thing that gives us this, like, celebratory Easter morning hymn, mm-hmm. we can't even say, well, that's how Charles Wesley intended it. Right. That's what he wanted. All right. So we're just going to read the words for you. We just sang, actually, verses one and two. And two. Yeah. yeah. Um, But we want you to hear all of the words. Mm-hmm. We won't even keep repeating the alleluias, right? But we I want guess. you to hear the words and hear the tune that okay. is supposed to go with it. Mm-hmm. So Carrie will play and I will read. Okay. Christ the Lord is risen today, Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high, Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply, Alleluia. Lives again our glorious King. Where, O death, is now thy sting? Dying once he all doth save. Where thy victory, O grave? love's redeeming work is done. Fought the fight, the battle won. Death in vain forbids him rise. Christ hath opened paradise. Soar we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head. Made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the sky. So those are Wesley's words. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome words and they all rhyme. I mean they really are a poem. When you hear it read mm-hmm. without the Alleluia's, mm-hmm. you do hear how it is this compact little poem about Easter. And there's some like huge truths to that. Mm-hmm. Kara, what's like your favorite line? Like what do you love to hear? What do you love to sing? Well, there's so many, but I actually love when we ask the question, Oh death. Right. Where is thy sting? Right. You know? And this comes right what does
1: the Bible <laughs> from First
0: Corinthians chapter fifteen. Right. I love this. You know, death could not hold him. Right. Death is not the end for right. Jesus. And so First Corinthians fifteen, verses fifty five to fifty seven, it asks O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. I'll tell you, one of my favorite lines is just the opening. Christ the Lord is risen today. Mm -hmm. I mean, Wesley invites us all into the present. We are all there at the tomb. We are all expecting to see... Jesus' dead body, but instead the tomb is empty. Right. Christ the Lord is risen today. And this is what we talked about two episodes ago with mm-hmm. Were You There? Mm-hmm. It's anamnesis. It's not just remembering What happened? It's reliving it, Mm -hmm. it's making it real in our present day. The fact that Jesus Christ is raised is important today, Mm -hmm. and I just love that. I love how Charles Wesley was bringing us into the day, right? I love that. Every theme of Easter, every important part of the day is in this hymn, right? right? Because we have all creatures are now rejoicing, right? We have the work of redemption is complete, right? We have death. Is vanquished. Right. And we have new life in Christ. And then, of course, we have praising the victorious Christ, This these Alleluias that provides the framework for just praising God right. with each line of the text. And I love that it ends with the final verse of us being promised that same resurrection. Like we mm-hmm. will soar where Christ has soared. Mm-hmm. We will follow him. We will have the cross, the grave, and the skies. Those are ours too. Right. I love that. So I mean, I kind of think it's funny. Like, everybody was probably at an Easter service yesterday and heard the passage. But do you want to just read it from Luke? Yes. I feel like we should. And, you know, the beauty of podcasts is that you can listen to this at any time. It's sort of like your radio show on demand. Mm -hmm. Whenever you want, it's there. So we have to think that there are people who are maybe listening to this in other times of the year so let's read luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 12. what
1: does the bible say
0: on the first day of the week very early in the morning the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they entered they did not find the body of the lord jesus While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Carrie, I always think that we celebrate Easter with rejoicing and with singing and with excitement. And on that first resurrection morning, Mm -hmm. Jesus' followers were afraid. I know, And they were wondering, they didn't understand. Even though Jesus had told them exactly what was going to happen, right. they didn't know. So that first Sunday, they were not praising mm-hmm. and singing and full of joy. They were so afraid. So, I mean, obviously, mm. this passage is oh. the inspiration. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, right, it is all about Jesus's resurrection and what right. that means for us. Right. But what we also have found out is that the hymn writer, Charles Wesley wrote this hymn in 1739 in celebration of the first service of London's first Wesleyan chapel. Mm-hmm. This is their first chapel in London. It was known as the Foundry Meeting House. So he writes this hymn with Carrie, with 11 verses in it. Right. But no halleluias. No Alleluia. 11 verses 11. and it wasn't an Easter hymn? No, it was a hymn that they were singing to praise God at the at the start of their ministry in this new chapel. Right. I mean, they weren't all about Easter. Right. I mean, these eleven verses sort of told the whole story about Jesus. There was one about Christmas and Jesus's birth. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So Charles Wesley writes this hymn, and it is sung for the first time in the new chapel, the first service. I did a little bit of research on this Foundry Meeting House. Okay. So the Foundry was. A place that where they were making guns and mortars out of metal for 12 years. That was, was what it was used for. It was a foundry. Uh-huh. Okay. It was an old artillery foundry of King Charles. Okay. It sat atop Windmill Hill, and it was known for casting brass guns and mortars for the Royal Ordinance. Okay. And it closed in 1716. And you know why it closed in 1716? Because there was a huge explosion. The writing that I saw said that it blew up like Mount Vesuvius. Oh, my gosh. How devastating for the city. And many people died in the explosion, and the building was closed. And then the Wesley brothers bought the building... Um, They spent over 800 British pounds to renovate it. And they made this chapel where, hello, 1,500 people can sit in the main room. (laughs) So when I hear chapel, I think like, you know, know, this little building. That's not at all what I'm thinking. Listen, 1,500 people can sit in the main room. An additional 300 people can sit behind the sanctuary. And upstairs were two apartments that were used by the Wesley family. What? So you might think maybe we could visit this this can, can we, Wesleyan can we? chapel? Huh? This is your captain speaking. There's our guy. Hi. Hi, can we visit? No, it is does not exist anymore. Okay, you just did that to all of us? But listen, but there is a museum of Methodism and we can see John Wesley's house. Aww. It is a free museum Aww. and I actually found like a religious inspired um, travel agent Aww. so we could go and do a tour, you know, a Methodist tour. Right. This is your sure. captain speaking. So this hymnal, this was the premier Methodist right, hymnal. Right. I mean, you know, you you know that every great religious movement has some kind of outburst of song. So, out of the seven hundred seventy hymns that are in the Wesleyan hymn book, I mean, how many do you think Charles Wesley wrote? Out of seven, seven, like half. <laughs> <laughs> no, he actually wrote way more than half. Six hundred and twenty-three of them are written by Charles Wesley. Wow. I mean, Charles did not just write hymns as like a duty or as a pastime. His soul was like filled with music and yeah. poetry. Yeah, I'm just so amazed and impressed by these brothers. Yeah, I mean, here we are. We're two sisters. <laughs> I mean, maybe they would have done him talk, brother talk back then. I don't <laughs> they know. They totally would have. Yeah. But th- I'm so amazed by them. So let's just talk a little bit about John and Charles Wesley, the brothers, mm-hmm. and their childhood growing up with their parents. Okay. So John Wesley is the older brother. He was born June 28, 1703. And Charles Wesley was born just four years later, December 18th, 1707. They were born in Epworth, Lincolnshire, England. They both did write hymns and they both and they worked really really well together. They did. But they when did. we're when we're learning about them and describing them, it says that Charles Wesley, the younger brother, was an English clergyman, poet and hymn writer. Mm-hmm. And John Wesley, the older brother, was an English clergyman theologian, and evangelist. Right. And together, these brothers led a revival movement within the Church of England known as Methodism. I mean, some would say that the real secret of the success Mm -hmm. was found in the sublime hymns written by Charles. John Wesley was this... Amazing preacher. Right. And a huge writer. He wrote so much. But it was this music that really drew people in. It reminds me of the revival tent meetings in the United States. Exactly, It was the music that brought people in. And what was the big outburst of song during those times? It was those gospel songs. Gospel songs. Gospel songs. But for these guys, it was these hymns. Yeah. And they were personal in a heartfelt hymns. So let's talk a little bit about their childhood. They were two of 19 children (laughs) that were born into the Wesley house. Two of 19 children. And Charles was the last son, second to the last child. Mm -hmm. Now the dad, Samuel, was a clergyman, so they grew up in the church. The mom, Susanna, taught religion and morals faithfully to her children. And 19, Carrie, can you believe it? No, No, I mean. This I know. poor woman. No. But the thing is that she understood large families. Hello, she was the 25th child in a family of 29. And her father was a prominent, highly educated minister okay. in London. So this is a family that goes back of Christians, people who are preaching the gospel. Now, there is a story about Susanna Wesley and her 19 children. Have you heard this story before? Um... <laughs> I forget. I might have read it. So Pastor Reed, our pastor at our church for years, would tell this story, especially I remember when I was in like the throes of motherhood and little children and feeling like I had no time to myself. Susanna was completely and 100% devoted to her prayer life and her Bible study life. For two hours a day, she prayed and she read her Bible. And Children were everywhere and they were interrupting her and they were noisy. She would sit in her favorite chair and she would take her long apron and swoop it up over her head for two hours. (laughs) She would be under the apron and she would be praying And reading her Bible. And it's and we read that the children knew not to bother her when she was under the apron. That's awesome. So the thing is is that when I heard that story, I was like, I want to put my head under an apron just for some peace and quiet. I really didn't go that extra step, which was that she was using that time to pray. And it said that she prayed fervently for her children. Imagine praying for your children and having them grow up to start a religious movement. To start a whole church. I mean... She prayed for two hours a day and studied the word. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And she is amazing. There is a lot of writing, right. on Susanna Wesley, we if you could wanna... do an yeah. entire episode yeah. on their mother. On just the mom. I mean, and we could do an entire episode on John and Charles and like just talk about right. all of their hymns. I know. I mean, we are just talking about Christ right. the Lord has risen today. The awesome thing about this is that I think we'll be coming back to the Wesleys. Yes. I mean, yes. we already called him the sweet bard of Methodism, yeah. Yeah. but his hymns number at like no less than 6,500. Right. No less. Thousands. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, we'll,
0: so we'll do him again. We'll do him again. <laughs> the funny, the weird thing, though, is that original hymnal with all of all, all of his hymns in it. Yeah. I mean, most of them are not sung anymore. I They're know. just not. I want to dig one up, though, Cal. Yeah. And, like, modernize it and yeah. get us singing it today. I know. It's true. We should. There's no reason why we can't. We should. So we talked a little bit about Susanna. Yeah. She, like I said, she was a woman of great faith. It was really important to her that she taught her children... They had a well-rounded education. Yeah. Even the girls, Carrie, she made sure that the girls had the same ed- education as the boys, which is really unheard of at the time. I know. She, she had a rule for her girls that they were not taught to the work of the house, whether it was sewing right. or quilting or cleaning, until they could read very well. And she would only have them work for the amount of time that they read. Oh, my goodness. Because reading was so important to her. And she homeschooled all of her kids from 9 to 12 and 2 to 5, 6 days a week. And she spent two hours <laughs> under her apron. And she had a schedule where she spent one hour a week, one-on-one with each kid, because Aww. she knew how important it was in a big family to spend one-on-one time with their ch- with her children. I mean, That's 19 hours a week. That's basically a part-time job. (laughs) Yeah, really. One hour. Well, it's true, but unfortunately, not all 19 children lived to adulthood. Right. She delivered 19 children, but nine children died in infancy, including carrying two sets of twins. And another baby was accidentally smothered by a nurse as she was recovering from the labor and delivery. So this woman also suffered a right. great deal. Right. And I want to talk a little bit about the father. He okay. was, his name was Samuel, and he was the rector of the church in Epworth where they lived. And he wasn't great with money. He was in debtor's prison multiple times throughout the children's lifetime. He didn't do, want to do any of the farm work. And he kind of got like political from the pulpit and the... People in the church really disagreed with him. And on two occasions, the parsonage was burned down by people in the church. So this man was not well-liked. And I just feel like Susanna kept everything together. She worked the farm. She raised her kids. She got him out of prison. I am so tired hearing about this. I know, I know. I mean, who out there is just exhausted? I know. Hearing about what Susanna had to do and then like to think that she didn't even have that Maybe that completely supportive, responsible right. partner. No. I feel like she was alone. And he traveled. He traveled. He was working on a book. I read an article that he was working on a He was working on a huge so book. So you guys, Kelly just gave air quotes. <laughs> he was working on, he was a, working on a book. book. No, Why'd you do that? I don't know. I mean, it was a book. It was a book. But who leaves their wife at home to work on a book? But the, the <laughs> irony, I don't know, is this irony? He was working on a book about Job. And so his wife was home, I feel like, suffering a little bit. And he's writing about Job. She was Job. And then... When he was away, they had a substitute minister at the church, okay, sure. and she wasn't happy with the substitute minister's of course, sermons. Of course, they, she She wasn't. didn't think that they were great, so she said, I could do a better job at home. <gasps> so she stayed home with her kids and did church at home at Sunday, on Sunday mornings. And guess what? What? The neighbors came. <laughs> she had 150 to 200 people at her house on Sunday mornings instead of going to the substitute minister's church. That is really funny. Yeah, I mean, if you're enjoying these Susanna stories like we are, go and look her up because there's a lot wow. of these little tidbits of information. Yeah. We love this woman and she's just a great role model. She's mm-hmm. a woman of the faith. And I think this is really awesome and a blessing that was given to her. You know, Moses never was able to see the promised land, but she was able to see her children and she was able to see all that they had done in the Methodist right, church. Right. She lived long enough to see what amazing men her children turned out to be. Mm-hmm just jumping to John and Charles yeah. a little bit and there's a lot of church history here that is really really interesting so the methodists this, which was you know spearheaded by John Wesley he you know he made some waves in the church of England he still wanted mm-hmm. to be part of the church of England he thought that that the methodist movement would still stay within the tradition of the church of England mm-hmm. but they didn't want him carry he ended up becoming banned from preaching in many parish churches and at the oh. time Carrie, methodists were persecuted Right. You know, because they were so different from the Church of England. You know, he was really not liked in his lifetime. The Methodist Mm -hmm. Church liked him, but the Church of England didn't. Of course. But by the end of his life, he was very much respected, and they described him as the best-loved man in England. What? Yeah. Yeah, so wow. that's John. They, they changed their tune. They did change their <laughs> tune. And then Charles was very much a partner to John, mm-hmm. but he was a brilliant musician and lyricist, you know. So I feel yeah. like he might have been like the artsy side mm-hmm. to John's like more intellectual side. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really interesting about Charles is that music was so important to him. Mm-hmm. And his children were musical prodigies. What? His son, this is a fun fact, Carrie. What? His son, Charles Jr., was the personal organist of the English royal family. Wow. Of course they have their own personal Um, organist. Uh, Absolutely. And then his second son, Samuel... Sebastian. So Samuel was named after his father. Right. And you know who Sebastian was named after? I mean, was it Bach? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's Johann Sebastian Bach. Charles n- named his child Samuel wow. Sebastian. Sebastian. And he actually w- became one of the most accomplished British composers of the 19th century. And he is sometimes called the English Mozart. Fact check. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> I think it's a. I I feel like that these two, these two brothers, really have this legacy of music and faith. Music and faith. I hope that you're listening to this and feeling as inspired as we are. Mm-hmm. I just loved digging into these these men and their mom and their mm-hmm. dad and their relationship with each other and how they both contributed so mm-hmm. much. Yeah, their relationship with each other and carry their relationship with God. Yeah. Their relationship with God was so important. They were persecuted for it. And that was modeled to them mm-hmm. by their parents. Right. And so we can find Hundreds of hymns, Mm -hmm. thousands probably, really thousands. (laughs) I know that that tell the truth of who Jesus is. But this one has really stood the test of time. Yeah, Yeah. I would. You'd be hard pressed to find a church that didn't sing this yesterday. I know. So, I mean, let's just talk about the music for a little bit. The truth is, is that we don't really know much about the music, right? So, the music, this tune, is actually called Easter Hymn. Wow. So at some point, it was written to go with Easter, mm-hmm. but it was first found in a 1709 hymn book called Lyra Davidica. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Lyra Davidica, that just means like David's lyre, David's harp. And we have an editor of that, but we have no information on who right. wrote this Him, right? You know, and it sort of reminds me when we did how firm a foundation. Yes, exactly. And we could go into all sorts of research (laughs) and to figure out who they think may have written it. Right. But the truth is, is nobody really knows. It's usually just attributed to anonymous. Right. And sometimes, but not even that often, you'll find the editor of the hymnal, and his name is John Baptist Walsh. And would you believe? That the only melody that has survived all of this time is the melody to Christ the Lord is Risen Today. I just think that's crazy because it's anonymous. I it's not even like the grandson and the grandson no. and the grandson well, you know, kept it up and alive. It was, we don't know who did it. Right. But at some point, it was put to Charles Wesley's words right. and became immortal. I mean, that's it. The hymn lives on. But even out of the thousands that Charles Wesley wrote, we only have a handful. Right. So the ones that we have, it's just... A mystery of how some stay popular and some don't. So there is a copy of the original Lyra Davidica in the British Museum. Oh, that's great. So we could totally go. Okay, so when we do the tour of all the Methodist churches in England and we see John Wesley's house, Mm -hmm. we can do the British Museum and see the original. And maybe we can talk to like a museum worker and ask to like get a close-up look. Like a docent. (laughs) I would love that. Maybe we could impress them with our singing. <laughs> or impress them with our English accent. <laughs> yes, if we walk in, hello, can I see the Lyra de Vitica, please? <laughs> <was> so bad. <laughs> All right, well, I think we're done. I mean, I want people to hear this song in yes. a new way. Now, we think that you probably heard this yesterday. Right. And you probably heard it on organ. And you probably sung it yourself. Right. So now we have this really different inventive way of performing the song. Right. You might know this singer, his name is Chris Rupp, and he is an acapella singer. He was with his group Home Free on the television show Sing Off, right. and they actually won it. Yeah. And he has since kind of left the group And he's now performing as a solo artist. Yeah. And he has lots of CDs out, and you can find him on YouTube and Amazon. Uh, We reached out to him, and he was super nice and super gracious and so willing for us to use his music. So- we are showing you, of course, because this is a podcast. We, you know, we have the audio, but we are right. going to share the video. Yes, because the video is actually really funny. I, know, I, know. I had to watch it a couple of times to figure out what was going on. Right, <laughs> and he's great. He says, "Sure, share it." And, yeah. and he said he would share our podcast. Yeah, so we're really excited about it. All right, so enjoy this fun, inventive, celebratory rendition of Christ, Christ the, the Lord is Risen today. today.
1: Hallelujah. hallelujah. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sons of men and angels sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Raise your joy and triumph, sigh. Hallelujah. Sing ye heavens and earth, reply. Hallelujah, hallelujah. save Halle, hallelujah where Thy victory oh grave hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. christ oh, Dominus, die is on the resurrection christ the lord is christ is resurrection christ
0: I hope that you heard it and then you're going to go and do a little bit of research on Chris Rep and listen to the rest of his stuff because he has some great songs. And he has a lot of hymns. Yeah, and he loves hymns. I mean, he is bringing back. He is bringing back these old hymns and right. doing them in totally new ways, right. which we love that. And hopefully it's creating a whole new generation of hymn listeners. Yeah, all yeah. to the glory of God. Yes. So we're going to end today's podcast with 1 Corinthians 15, another reading from there. And, you know, it's just reminding us how important the resurrection is. Mm-hmm. It had to have happened. Jesus Christ had to have been raised from the dead. This is 1 Corinthians 15 verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. We are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's the truth we want to leave you with today. Mm. That Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, and we are not done talking about His resurrection. No, nope. because we'll be doing Easter hymns the next few weeks. Yes. We will be focusing on the cross, the empty tomb. And the hope we have in him that we will be with him someday, mm-hmm. our risen Savior. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right, this is Kelly. This is Carrie. You just listened to Him Talk, Talk, Twin, Twin Talk. Talk. Bye, everyone. Bye. Keep singing. Happy Easter.